explode. Yes. He's <laughs> <laughs> also, he's also joining the show today. Uh, we got some stalker stuff to talk about, and uh, we expect to throw into the holes for everything else too. Yep. Because we can. Discord to record this freaking show, so it's just happening from the very beginning. But the uh, freaking news. Aside from aside from the March, the best month on the sports calendar, except for in 2020, the worst month in like a hundred years. There were no sports at all, except for like the first week and a half. Yeah, but anyway, breaking news: JJ Watt, as we all know, was released by the Texans like a month or two ago. JJ uh, Watt has signed a two-year, thirty, thirty-one million, forty-one million. It was thirty-one, 30, I think. Thirty-one million dollar deal for, with twenty-three million guaranteed with the Arizona Cardinals. Of all teams, the freaking Cardinals. Now, don't get me wrong; I am happy with this. I was worried he was going to sign with the Steelers, the Browns, or the Bills, and. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad it's not any of those teams. Because <laughs> if he went to the Steelers, that would be awful. Steelers fans would be insufferable. They wouldn't be much better because their offense still sucks. But their defense would be very annoying and their fan base would be straight up insufferable. Like, just awful. <laughs> Justin is a Philly fan, so he understands. Oh yeah, yeah. Our our shared hatred of Pittsburgh is a uh, is a very real thing. They're already insufferable enough. Adding JJ Watt would just be the icing on a cake that no one wants. <laughs> correct. That's an amazing analogy. You are very correct. And him going to the Bills would make that would make them the best team in the AFC North. Which well, I they also... already are. You mean the best team in the AFC? Yeah, that would probably no. That would make them the best team in the AFC because they'd have a close to on par offense, a better defense, and a better coach than the Chiefs. Yeah. Sorry, we know you love Andy Reid, but he's not a very good head coach. <laughs> his uh, his time management is abysmal, awful, like <laughs> hor- horrifically bad. <laughs> Andy Reid really reverted to Philadelphia Andy Reid in this past Super Bowl with the let's kill them by kicking like 86 field goals. As a Philly fan, I felt so bad for Chiefs fans because I was just watching and getting horrible flashbacks to the Patriots-Eagles Super Bowl in what, like 2004? It was awful. Death by a million field goals rather than actually using your talented offense to do its freaking job. Yeah. And... And didn't that Eagles team in 2004 also have a really terrible O-line? I genuinely don't remember. I was seven. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was, I was nine, so I don't really remember either. But Speaking of terrible mismanagement and just terribleness overall. The Bears? The Bears. No. <laughs> we, we were going, I was transitioning to Premier League. Uh, oh, yeah. oh yeah. The oh, there, it's... there was an incident over the weekend between I saw, man. I saw between, this picture, and it's just yes. Awful. Between Man United and Chelsea, in which 
I believe it's Conte. Clearly, clearly was had a handball. Like he in the, like, in the box. He is like backhanding the thing. Yeah. In that picture you sent me. Like he is straight up backhanding that thing. Yeah. Now after that it hits Greenwood's arm, which is also a handball, but the handball and Con- I again I think it's Conte, I could be wrong. Was that that happened first. So that's a penalty, right? Yeah, that that would immediately it, render the would, play dead. Right there. It, it would depend. It would depend. Was the ball kicked into his hand, or did he intentionally put his arm in the way of the path of the ball? You're telling me that that picture I sent you is kicked into his arm? The That's abnormal. Of, okay, the amount of times when I played soccer, right, that someone would kick the ball and it would just coincidentally hit your arm while you tried to move away happens a lot more than you think. Oh, it happens all the like, time. If the referee does have to take into account the fact that, like, you can kick a ball, try to get out of the way, and it still hits your arm. That's not usually called, at least at the level that I played at, which was itty-bitty private school soccer. Yeah, same. <laughs> but, like, that genuine, like, like soccer is, like, the one sport that actually cares about intent when calling penalties. So, like, if he intentionally put his hand there, then, yeah, absolutely, that's a handball, no question. But if he's genuinely trying to get out of the way of the path of the ball and it just happens to hit his hand, Generally speaking, they're not going to call that. So that that's that's true, and there wouldn't have been that much of an issue with this with this call specifically had Luke Shaw not revealed what the ref said to Harry Maguire when when Harry went to argue that it was a handball. The ref straight up said, and this is a quote from Luke Shaw. This is what Luke Shaw said. The ref said to H, referring to Harry Maguire, if I say it's a pen, it's going to cause a lot of talk about it after. Yeah, that's... uh, I saw that quote. I didn't know what he meant by it. (laughs) It's going to get people... It's going to get people angry, both on the the sports talk stations that I assume exist in England and, uh, and more often, Twitter. Because soccer Twitter... Is a hellhole. <laughs> Twitter is a hellhole. Yes. Correct. Twitter is a hellhole. <laughs> Basically, so, all of the varying sports Twitters are hellholes. Soccer Twitter is really bad. Soccer and hockey Twitter are the two worst. We're going to use this incident as a way to talk about how there needs to be reform as a whole from bottom to top in soccer refereeing. Because... Yes. Soccer referees, there is one soccer referee, except for the, like the line judges who do offsides. But in the middle of the field, there is one. And that one can make the game about himself as much as he wants. Yep. Giving me real baseball vibes here. You're not wrong. Certain they're, they're, baseball they're, umpires. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Angel <laughs> Hernandez. <laughs> Joe West. <laughs> yeah, Angel Hernandez and Joe West. Like At least Joe, Joe West has a likable personality. Yeah. Angel, Angel Hernandez is just a jerk. Angel Hernandez <laughs> is a douche. Like, Joe West uh. is an attention whore, but he at least seems like a nice guy. Angel Hernandez will just eject people for calling him out on his terrible decisions. Enough about baseball umpires. Back to soccer referees. Yes. (laughs) So, 
Justin has a personal experience with a situation like this, which is part of why we brought him on the show is because I wanted him to share this story and to talk about how deep rooted the terrible soccer refereeing is from bottom to top. And to get my live reaction to it, because I have never heard this story. Correct. Yeah. So basically I'm just going to preface this with, again, I played soccer for a tiny private school. Okay. So all of our referees were basically just paid volunteers, right? Yep. I remember I remember those refs. Good lord. So so they're doing their best, right? Like looking back, they're doing their best. They're just trying to get paid. Totally understand that, right? So in in high school I played I played the goalie position. Um and there was there was an incident in a game where I came out of the box on a basically 50-50 ball. Uh, against the opposing team's forward. And I went to kick it, but he slid for the ball because I was so out of position. He just straight up took out my legs entirely. I mean, I like flipped in the air. And I like hit his shins, but he was fine. And I like went like 10 feet, right? Just ass over tea kettle, like... Yeah. In, In every situation... That's an easy yellow on the opposing team, right? Yeah, that's that's even yeah, though, easy. Even though I'm outside the box, I stalker still protects the goalie nine times out of ten in that situation, right? And he's still sliding at you. Did, did yeah. he go straight for your legs, or was he actually going for the ball? I genuinely don't remember, but I got taken clean out, so it was probably like a little bit of both. Okay. <laughs> um. So, yeah, nine times out of ten, that's an easy yellow on forward, even though I'm out of the box. The ref walks up to me, gives me a yellow card, and says, and I quote, this is for your protection. (laughs) Now, was this a road game? No, this was a home game. What? (laughs) See, that was my (laughs) assumption. When I no, first no, no. heard the setup for this story, that was my <laughs> assumption was that this was a road game. No, no, and I know from personal game. experience, tiny private schools have like blood feud rivalries. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because a lot of them like know people that go to the other schools and they usually really don't like each other. Oh yeah. This was definitely, this is definitely a rival game against our like heavy rival um yeah he he came up to me and gave me the yellow and said this is for your protection and my coach not my head coach but like our conditioning coach who's basically also our assistant coach former marine right this is an ex-marine right (laughs) he's also he's also my soon-to-be he's he's my gonna be my sister's father-in-law right awesome dude ex-marine like stomps onto the field (laughs) <laughs> and is like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, pushes me away and is like, in this ref's face, like, what are you doing right now? <laughs> now, don't get us wrong. Like, we understand there's a huge difference between professional refereeing and small private school refereeing. Yeah, 100%. We are, you... Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, the, like, the guys who ref the Premier League are not going to be refing... Uh... Yeah, refing tiny ass private schools in the middle of nowhere. Like, 
Yeah. However, this stuff runs deep because, like, especially as keepers, me and Justin were both keepers. Like, there are a lot of protections on us. Yeah. We understand that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I was somebody who used that to my advantage, but that's a different story. Pretty much every keeper does use it to their advantage. Correct. Like, but the, the the issue that we're getting at is that refs make calls based on situations and if they're going to get, if people are going to get mad at them from either side. Yeah. And it's so stupid. You can't, you can't do that. That is, that is easily one of my least favorite things about soccer because it feels like that happens the most often in soccer. Like that. that I would agree with that. That doesn't feel like a thing that happens all that often in basketball. Definitely not a thing. Definitely not a thing that happens all that often in football. Refs will just make whatever they whatever call they damn well please in football. <laughs> That's gonna be a holding fifteen yards. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. But sir, he was holding my face mask. The, the, thing about, the thing about soccer that you have to understand is that there are like. Every single professional sport has a rule book that's easily like a thousand pages long, right? Oh yeah. Oh, 100%. like there's so many rules, but soccer, soccer is so goddamn needlessly complicated, right? Yeah. Like in no other sport is advantage a thing, right? In soccer, if you if you are in the other team's half of the field and a penalty is called, but you can retain possession, then the penalty is held off because you have advantage. Okay, like in basketball, if there's a foul, everything stops, regardless of who has the ball, where the ball is. Is the ball in the basket? Nope, there's a penalty. Everything's cut. Okay. Well, ho- <laughs> hockey does have something similar. It's yeah. not it's not as stupid as advantage, like the delayed penalty thing. Yeah. But it's also it also makes makes way more sense because on a delayed penalty Teams will, with the puck, who are about to go on a power play, will pull their goalie and get an extra attacker. Like, yeah, the hockey, the hockey delayed penalty arguably makes is a lot simpler than the soccer advantage. Oh yeah, because... but soccer is just so complicated. I mean, they have they have live action replays to determine if a player's offsides, and if you ask anyone who like hasn't played soccer or who doesn't like soccer what offsides is in soccer they'll just say i don't know they have they or have no that they clip. can't or that they can't explain it to you and that they've never understood it <laughs> like i i watch i used to watch i, I don't as much anymore because uh time zones and realizing the mls kind of sucks kind of <laughs> okay it really sucks it's it's terrible <laughs> Yeah. Especially since the team I picked in the MLS is no longer good. But time zones. But I've watched a lot of soccer and I played it my senior year. Like, and I still don't entirely understand how offsides actually works. Like I get I get the attacker being behind the last defender before the ball. Like I get that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like I don't know how the linesman make that call when like the tip of their pinky is offside and the rest and the rest of their body is on like how the heck do you see that 
this is something that you and I have discussed on the show before, is that with VAR, it, it, it has become necessary, in my opinion, to change the offsides rules. Because with VAR, you can see that. You can see, oh, hey, there's a pinky offside, so he's offside. So with VAR now, I feel like you got to change it to where it's like, oh, like if an arm is offsides, that's fine. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But if like half your body is offsides, that's different. Yeah, if the if the uh, if the line the defenders make is like bisecting your body, you're offsides. Yeah, you can't you can't split hairs like that though. Like you just genuinely can't because you just open yourself up to even more debate over oh, yeah, whether like... or not someone is offsides. Like it had it it genuinely has to be that black and white of oh hey your pinky is offsides, ergo you are offsides. Like it has to be that black and white. Otherwise you get into this whole, well, you know, he's up to like below his elbows offsides. That's fine. And then in a different game, someone was offsides up to their shoulder and that got called. What's the deal refs? Why are you so inconsistent? Like things have to be black and white. That's true. I could see that happening too, where it would become like an empire strike, an umpire strikes out. Yeah, like yeah. It, it has to be that black and white because we already saw what happened with the updated roughing the passer rules in football. The the calling was so painfully inconsistent. Like the rule was black and white and then they changed it and then the 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 officiating got super inconsistent. And, unless your name is Matthews. And, and it was just constant bullshit. And then it <laughs> and then it also coincided with Probably the NFL's best refs, uh, Gene Steratore, Ed Hockley, and a couple others, like all retiring within like two years of each other. Yeah, like the this ridiculous change to the rules also coincided with the two best refs in the NFL retiring. Yeah. So basically, yeah, that's my point. Is like you have to keep things black and white because otherwise you just open things to interpretation and umpires already probably too liberally interpret rules to begin with yeah they really they really do like we still don't need electronic strike zones and you can never convince me otherwise i i cannot possibly strongly disagree with you more on that statement we are not going to get into that topic no that's that's that that me and justin have gone head to head on that topic screaming at each other and it's just no see that's a conversation for when we get closer to baseball season that's true. Justin, if you want to come back when we get closer to baseball season, we can actually have that discussion. Baseball season never ends, though. You have to understand. That's true. It's <laughs> always very true. Baseball. <laughs> it, it, it really doesn't because the season's so damn long. God, like, how this... many games do they play? Like 182. 62. Oh, 62. <laughs> Everyone's over here like, football can't play 17 games, and baseball's like, bruh. We're like basically <laughs> playing 200 games. <laughs> yeah, ba- baseball plays... Baseball plays 80 more than the next closest sport in North America. I think basketball plays like what, 117? No, 82. 82. 82. Okay. Basketball and well, hockey. They're playing, are both... they're playing 72 this year. Basketball and hockey in normal seasons are both 82. This year it's uh, 72 and 60. Gotcha. I must have been thinking with playoffs to get 100. And... Yeah, uh, with playoffs, you get to about 100. Yeah. 100-ish, yeah. If you go to a seven-game series and all four of your series is, and you win the finals, even if you lose the finals in a seven-game series, that's 
82 plus seven times four. 28. So 32. that's uh, 110. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so that's the absolute max you could play, but still that's a lot. A lot of basketball game. Yeah. Yeah. But speaking of basketball, it is my favorite time of the year. March. <laughs> it's finally here. March of 2020 sucked. <laughs> but still screw the NCAA. Oh, yeah. The NCAA can suck it as an organization. Like, that is... That is not even... I don't even think that's a controversial opinion anymore. That the NCAA as an organization can straight up suck it. Oh, you mean that power consolidation in a program that makes billions of dollars is a bad idea? No, no we're really? this coming. <coughs> FIFA. <coughs> Sorry. <laughs> good point. Really had to get that one out. <laughs> good point. Very good point. But hopefully with uh, uh, name, image, and likeness bills very quickly working their way towards being passed and implemented, that'll just completely fuck the NCAA. And Can I, can I just say that, like, while while it's good, well, I don't really think it's great that people are getting paid to play a sport when they're on scholarship. Either. I don't know. I think it's terrible that we had to get the federal government involved to get some accountability from the NCAA. Yeah, like, like, did we seriously need to get the federal government of the United States involved one of in the order for le- the NCAA to go? Huh. I think we should, you know, be humans for once. One of the least accountable bodies on planet Earth. Did we really need to get one shitty organization to get another shitty organization to get their shit together? Like, why? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) you're not wrong. But, no, I I like the idea of of name, image, and likeness. It is a I think that's a fair compromise of not necessarily paying college athletes directly outside of their scholarships, but... Uh, any normal college student who is not a Division One or Division Two or even a Division Three athlete, any normal college student with any kind of talent, be that streaming, music, uh, other kinds of other engineering, kinds of engineering, like other kinds of anything, like if you, or I was, I was just talking like from a like a name, image, and likeness perspective, like. Like, if you're an actor, and you're just a normal-ass college student who's on, like, an academic scholarship, you can also do side projects to make money. So, I've said it once on the show, and I'm going to say it again. I think paying college athletes, even for name, image, and likeness, is a terrible, terrible idea. And the reason is, now smaller schools who aren't that popular are, have zero shot to get the bigger, the bigger commitment, uh, commitments from athletes who, don't, who, who just want money. Like, you're sitting there and you're going to tell me that, pe- that somebody who has a scholarship from, like, from their parents' traditional school, say, I'll just use Liberty as an example, say, some, say Rashad Jennings' kid. Has, is super talented at football, and he has an offer from Georgia and Liberty. Oh, and you're going, getting paid for name, image, and likeness. Where is he going to go? And he's going to go to Georgia. Yeah. And 
but say you don't have that name, image, and likeness, he could he has a shot to go to Liberty. But if you're paying people for name, image, and likeness, like you're gonna get that stuff at bigger schools, and it takes away a lot of the tradition, and it takes away all of the stuff about like because in college, college it's about the team for the it, most part. It's about the team. It's not about the the individual players. But like, if you're paying for name, image, and likeness, especially in basketball, you're not gonna go to a Howard or a UConn or something like that. You're gonna go to Gonzaga or or UVA or Duke or UNC or or Villanova or any of these. Yeah, you're not gonna go to those smaller programs. Yeah, you're think, basically making sure that the powerhouse schools are more powerhouses by doing that. Yeah, that's that's like probably my biggest frustration with just college sports in general is that you see you see schools that just dominate on a consistent basis with no real way of making other schools competitive. Like for and a by school like this, Liberty, it worse. Like a school like Liberty, who is genuinely making consistent strides in college football right i just lost how 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 are how is liberty football going to compete against ohio state anytime and uva like yeah like liberty is already like i i I see where you're coming from on this like liberty is already in a terrible position geographically because they're sandwiched between charlotte litchburg virginia is sandwiched between charlottesville and blacksburg anyway yeah like if you walk a few hundred yards from campus to the Dick's Sporting Goods on Ward's Road. There is not a single Liberty t-shirt nope. in that building. Nope. <laughs> you can you can walk outside that Dick's Sporting Goods, look across the street. And see the campus. And see Liberty's campus. There is not a single red Liberty shirt in that building. It is only UVA and Virginia Tech. Yeah. Yeah. And by paying for name, image, and likeness, you're screwing over the little man. And, like, college basketball has started to make strides towards having non-college basketball schools get better. Like, for example, uh, uh, people – like, Howard. Howard's been getting commitments. Like, all that kind of stuff. And the smaller programs are starting to – we're starting to make strides. Same in college football, to be honest with you, like Cincinnati and that people like that have started to be good again. And you're screwing them over by doing that, in my opinion. Yeah, I can I can see I can see that side of the argument too. I not to mention even more money is gonna get put into to sports programs at colleges. Yes. Instead yeah, that, of academic programs. Yeah, like more money is gonna get dumped into the sports department. Like this is this is such a weird issue because like at the same time, like the way college athletes mostly are treated by at least the NCAA sucks. Oh, I agree. Like Division One athletes are like God's gift to mankind, according to the NCAA. And hell, even some colleges. But like Oh yeah, like the NCAA. <laughs> Sorry, that's it's, it's most it's most colleges. <laughs> every every I mean, yeah, every college does it and if you if you pretend it doesn't happen because of bias, you're you're blind. Like every college with any kind of athletic program tr- like I know college athletes are making money on the side. Like no matter where they are, they are making money on the side somehow. Like the $100 handshake is a 
long-standing tradition of of college sports. Don't put it in a McDonald's bag. It usually goes bad. Yeah, don't put it in a, in a McDonald's <laughs> bag. That makes it really obvious. No, do do like have have the big money donors stick a couple hundreds in their palm, hide it, and then shake hands with a football player, and you just gave that football player five hundred bucks. Like, like, like have. Have a have a couple have a couple donors like shake hands with your quarterback, your wide receivers, your running backs, your linebacking core, your secondary. Like, just put stacks of hundreds in their hands and have them have them shake hands with uh, with the players. Like, it's a long standing tradition. I think I think there's a lot of problem with college sports in general, and I think I think the root of the issue, at least to me personally, and this is just purely my opinion, is that college is not college is not a prep school. For for professional sports league, college is where you get an education. Yeah. Like, and and so to have to have athletes come into college, play like two years, or a year, just, in the case and then basketball. just leave because they're getting paid off of their their likeness, and then just go to professional sports leagues on my dime is ridiculous. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and that's my entire problem with that. Look, is the NCAA trash? Yes. Do they treat their athletes and everybody involved better? Yes, but this is not the way to do it. No, I and we have gotten massively sidetracked, by the way. Oh yeah, we have. But this is this is an interesting topic to have during, like, right before the event that makes the NCAA the most money, all of its money for basically the entire year. Yeah, like after March Madness, they are they are in the black for the rest of the calendar year. Oh, the NCAA in the black. Oh, the that, world's smallest violins are playing. That's that's the <laughs> that's the good side. That means you're Mr. Krabs. You're you're in the red when you lose money. Financial terms. I I'm aware Correct. of what in the black means. Okay, good. I was <laughs> I was I was concerned for a second I'm, that you didn't I'm know not, what it meant. I'm not that stupid, okay? <laughs> okay, good. Okay. I mean, he went to tech, so he's only so smart. <laughs> Oh, you want to fucking fight? <laughs> <laughs> My God. Okay. Jesus, sir, I'm in tech's hardest major. <laughs> That's <Okay>. true. <laughs> one last Continuing point. Continuing on. One last point on name, image, and likeness, and then we'll actually talk about March Madness. Or the build-up to March Madness. The way I see how, how name, image, and likeness should be done, it should not come from the schools or the NCAA at all. Like, they should not be involved. They should just not have rules against it from happening. Cause they have shut down guys, uh, YouTube channels, their Twitch yeah. streams, like a UCF kicker for, or punter, for example. Yeah. Like they've shut down their YouTube channels or Twitch streams, uh, their, their music careers. Like there was a guy, was it the UCF punter who was like, also like a ridiculously talented rapper. No, the UFC, UCF punter is a guy who started posting trick punt videos on YouTube and um, was they was asked to step away from the school. He was asked to either quit YouTube or quit the UCF football team. Which is so freaking stupid. Like, if he wasn't on the team at UCF and he was just a regular student at UCF who discovered he had the talent to do this and just started a YouTube video or YouTube channel... No, UCF would not have stopped him. 
Because he's just a normal college student making money with a strange talent he has on the internet. Look at Do yeah. Perfect. But if Do Perfect was... started in college at Texas A&M. Yeah, but I think I think what the NCAA, NCAA is getting at is like you're on you're on the UCF football team, like your college is already being paid for. Like you don't need, I guess their logic is like you don't need money, right? And like that's that's a straight up lie. Like every college yeah. student is broke as hell. Like regardless yes. if you're on scholarship or not, you're broke as hell. Yeah, you're. But like you're. If it was a regular college student making videos, then yeah, he's probably putting that money either towards college or his food. Yeah. But like if he... you're an athlete. Like, your college, your college, your books, like, your housing, your food, depending on how good your program is, your athletic equipment, like, everything is covered, right? (laughs) So, I guess life expenses aren't. Yeah. Yeah. Like, every other college expense is. And so, like, that that takes your college expenses from, like, $24,000 a semester to, like, $1,000. $1,000. Yeah, like putting gas <laughs> in your car, eating out, and any kind of recreation. Like, that's that's what it goes, that's what it leaves you with that isn't covered. <laughs> I'm not saying the NCAA is correct in assuming that, like, a college student that's also an athlete just has money and is fine, but, like... Yeah. If, if you're a normal college student and you make a YouTube video, that's fine, that's great, but if you're an athlete, I don't know. I guess I can see where they're coming from, where it's like... It, it's such a weird issue, because it's like, both sides kind of have points, but the NCAA just sucks so much, everyone just wants to stick it to them. The NCAA is is weird, because their enforcement is so dog shit. Yes. Right? Like, it's not the fact that the rule itself is bad, per se, it's the fact that their enforcement of the rule is dog shit. So, like... The UCF punter had to make that ultimatum, whereas would an Ohio State player who made a YouTube video have the same enforcement? Probably not. Probably fucking not. not. <laughs> Probably not, no. Because the NCAA has favorites. It has verified fucking favorites, and Tech is not one of them. Point in case, transfer students and eligibility waivers, okay? Oh, they get. That's all I'm going to say. Guys who <laughs> so that guy who transferred from from Coastal to Tech to be closer to his dying mother. Yeah, got denied, but uh someone transferred to like Ohio State instant acceptance. Because he wasn't going to be instant acceptance. Because he or he transferred from Ohio State to Miami, I think. Yeah. Because like, he wasn't going to be able to play quarterback at Ohio State. And people people online were really like Oh, well, he broke the rules. He was outside the radius by, like, 10 miles. Yeah. And to be closer to his dying family. Are you seriously going to look at me? (laughs) And that's the thing. He may live in South Carolina, but Blacksburg, Virginia is almost 100 miles closer to where he lived in South Carolina than Conway is. Yeah, And the NCAA plays favorites, and I think that's why everyone is so keen to jump on them and yeah. just completely obliterate them. Like, I think the NCAA needs to be obliterated and replaced with a different organization, or like a a loose, almost almost go from go in reverse, like go from the Constitution to the Articles of Confederation. The NCAA, okay, here's how you fix the NCAA, because ultimately, at the end of the day, 
the NCAA itself is not a bad idea, right? The the problem with the NCAA is a they they have they have nitpicking enforcement, and that's bad. That's bad in literally anything, right? Um, and and two, they don't explain. They don't explain jack shit. They make nope. a decision and they just say it. There's no there's no this is why we made it. This is what we took into consideration. So really, really, at the end of the day, as long as you had some some transparency and some consistent rule enforcement, the NCAA, NCAA's PR would just fucking skyrocket. It would overnight. be a million times better. Like if 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 the NCAA applied the same transfer restrictions to Ohio State that they do to Virginia Tech, then their ability to have good PR would instantaneously skyrocket. And get rid of Mark Emmerich. He sucks. Anyway, cutting this off because we have talked about this a long time. NCAA tournament. You could literally, if they they didn't care about money, you could chop the entire field down to four teams. Yes. This, This year in particular. Gonzaga, Michigan, Baylor, Illinois. Yep. That's, that's all you need. Fault. That's all you need. That's don't even worry about the rest. That that's did your Duke final not four. Make it. <laughs> what? I said, did Duke not make it? I'm so upset. <laughs> they might not even make the field. Yeah, they might after beating us. That that's true. That could that could help them a lot, especially if they go on a run in the ACC tournament. That hurt me. Why? Why? If they go on the run in the, if they go on a run in the tournament. I'm gonna be so pissed. <laughs> Duke makes a run in the tournament every year. Or I think that they get knocked out in the first round. Or yeah. they're or they're a two seed and they lose to a fifteen in the first round. Yeah. Um they breaking news like, of the NBA. Uh Lloyd Pierce has been fired by the Hawks. That's sorry. Honestly, I just, not a surprise. I just pulled up ESPN to go look it up to look up duke's record and stuff and that was the first thing i saw i don't know anyway anything about the nba (laughs) anyway ncaa hello yeah i am still you zoned out so i was like i i I saw a thing on i saw a thing on twitter and it it was uh it was also very good news um pending uh, i'm going to drop this one too but uh and then we'll get back pending any changes Alabama football, I, I want to check to make sure I'm getting this right, is uh, is planning to move ahead with an insane a uh I think full capacity at Bryant Denny Stadium. Let's let's see. Uh we are moving Greg Byrne, the athletic director at University of Alabama, says we are moving forward with plans to have a full stadium in the fall and we will monocle medical guidelines as we have all along. So uh, right now, Alabama is moving forward with uh, having a packed out Bryant-Denny Stadium for football season in uh, September, which uh, interesting. As as Alabama goes, so goes the rest of college football, except in California. So uh, that's uh, that's that's a good sign. Is it? Is it a good sign? <laughs> I, I think so. College football sucked last year with half with like ten percent filled stadiums. I mean, I don't disagree, but like, I don't know. It it seems 
Seriously, it's, we're we're in, we're in fucking March, and then they're making plans for September. Like so many things can happen in between now and September. Oh yeah, but that's what you have to do. Like, you have to plan now for normal, and adjust as needed. Yeah, so that way we can have eighteen adjustments in between now and September when you could just wait until later and make that, an announcement when things are more obvious the way they're going. That that is true, but. I like that someone actually has the balls to make a freaking announcement in March. Because that, uh, that was not the case last year. <laughs> no one had the balls to make announcements until June. Well, things were very volatile last year. Good point. Anyway. Back to our topic. Yeah. This, was, this is a very tangent-heavy episode, but it's been that way for the past couple weeks. But it's that's, true. that's fine. It's par for the course at this point. Uh, college basketball is four teams, and that's it. Yeah. The the first couple of rounds, I, I feel like the first round or two of the tournament will still have the normal level of excitement. It's just the ones in two, the, well, the ones won't be in any danger at all. They're just that much better than everyone else. And the two. we not look, talk about that? Yeah, I, I know. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm not. The the ones right. the the ones won't be hey they're I don't have as much of a connection to UMBC but I am still from BC like we still won the tournament the next year so you can shut up I know but and I wanted them to because that was a great greatest story. redemption story in NCAA history oh yeah easily but the ones aren't like in any danger at all this nope. year the twos are probably not in danger. No. The the twos are probably fine until they have to face maybe the threes. Depending on which two and three you're talking about. And but the fours on down are in a lot of danger, I would say, this year. I would agree with you because that's about the line Virginia's gonna be on and with the way our like our offense if our offense is on, we can score with the best of them. But if our offense is off, we're terrible. They lose by 20. Example A, when we let Tech score 20 and come back. Yep. Well, UVA is a very uh, three. Are you all talking about UVA or Liberty? UVA. Okay. UVA is a live or die by the three-point team. Yes. And that's that's fine when you shoot well. When you're not shooting well, that's when you guys get blown the fuck. There out. are years that that happens. I agree with you. Yeah, and Liberty very much has that vibe too because of obvious reasons. That's like one thing that I'm not like super pumped about in basketball is it seems to be just a very heavy moving trend of a lot of teams are starting to rely on the three more. And, and that's guess just, who started that? That's just boring basketball. That is just it's so boring dribble down the dribble down the field pass 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 three other team dribbles down the field pass 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 field. three it, field field court who cares it's Thank the same you. shit everyone <laughs> i i think Ed, you knew what i meant but yeah three <laughs> three reliant basketball is boring as shit unless you're the warriors unless you're the warriors because they're just so freaking good at it because they can Pull up from midcourt and still hit it like it's nothing. That's still boring basketball, though. Like, even if you're good at it, it's still just boring. 
And the more the more that basketball trends towards three reliant basketball, then the less defense that teams actually need. So and defense uh, going, heavy basketball is fun basketball. <laughs> going on a little bit of a tangent, but we'll make sure it's not as long because uh yeah. Um basketball has always gone through different transitions and times based on different on the on the for lack of a better term on the times like Naturally. it's always had progression and then it'll change again in like tw- 10 years it'll change again and in 10 years it'll change again like that that's just how basketball goes mm-hmm. like it's not like other sports and where most of the time sports don't necessarily like the the meta for gamer term yeah for, for lack of change as much yeah yeah, like football, the way football is is played hasn't changed all that much since the invention of the forward pass. Yeah. Like, the, the most effective way to win a football game has, there's been varying levels of what you do, but the most effective way to win a football game hasn't changed all that much since the forward pass became a thing, which was 102 years ago. So, uh, not, not all that much of a difference. Basketball and soccer, as much as I, as uh, speed kills in soccer still to this day, speed and possession, speed and possession kills. You have greater than 60% possession in a soccer game. You're going to win. Most basketball is a, I would say kind of a significantly newer sport than all of the others especially being played at like a high level yeah and it has easily changed the most (laughs) you know going from two teams of nine chucking a deflated soccer ball into a peach basket with a tiny hole cut out of the bottom so you could stick a pole through it and and (laughs) knock the ball out god you and and uh, no dribbling, like, at all. If you have the ball, you just don't move. All you can do is pass or shoot. Like, can you imagine yeah. playing basketball like that still? Yeah. That would be horrendous to watch compared to what we have now. Yeah. Sounds like handball at that point. I mean, basically. But... but- it's it yeah. definitely it definitely goes through waves where like okay now we're going to put a heavier focus on on defense and the way to beat that is going to be the dribble drive rather than just taking a lot of threes or like we're going to focus on having dominant bigs or yeah. like it 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 comes and goes based on kind of whatever the best player in the NBA at the times game is. Because then other players who are a little bit younger will modify a little bit. And the guys who are in like high school at the time, or maybe even middle school are going to change their game to be more like that. And that's going to work its way up. And then it's going to change again when these guys that are in like middle school get to the pros. It like it, it just, it changes. Yeah, it it, yeah. Ro- it rotates. So, every like generation ish. So speaking of basketball, there's one NBA story we need to talk about that yes. we dismissed. Yes. Dallas, 
like I think it was last week. Sorry, Justin, you don't talk about NBA much, but this is the only NBA story we need to talk about today. About a week ago, there were rumors that came out that the Dallas Mavericks were quietly shopping Kristaps Porzingis. Mark Cuban came out and vehemently denied that. So Jake and I just kind of dismissed it. Yeah, because like, usually oh, when yeah, it's just talk. Usually when Mark Cuban denies something, it's not happening. Like that's the end of it. However, there are more and more reports coming out about Porzingis and about his agents, who are his brothers, that make it interesting. Seem like it might not be as good of a situation for him in Dallas as we thought. There are thoughts and rumors that he is high maintenance, that his brothers are a poison. God, that's a... That's literally a quote from an article that I read about about them. That's a term that's not thrown around the NBA lightly. Calling someone, like, a poison or... Like, the, the term... The term cancer is overused because like a locker room cancer, like that, that term gets so overused in the NBA. Like to throw around the word poison is, uh, is pretty serious in, uh, in, in NBA circles. Correct. So the, the, the idea that Przingis could be on the move at some point is not as far fetched as we may think. Now I think it's stupid. I think he is a good third option. And he and Luca have a good relationship. Which is very important. You want uh you want someone uh you want someone to get along with your best player if he's gonna be on your team long term. I convinced Justin to go to an NBA game to watch Luca. That's saying something. Yeah. You bet he didn't play. I know. I was so upset. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that that was that was the thing that happened to both of us. I I went to go see my team, but I was like, oh, I get to see Luca too. And then two days before that game, he rolls his ankle, and it's like, oh yeah, he's gonna miss the game against the. He's fine, but he's gonna miss the game against the Sixers on Friday. I'm like, dang it! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they play in Philly like once, maybe twice a year. Yeah. So. With that being said, I think I don't think the Mavericks should trade him. But they also need to stop treating him like the second star because he is a star. But he's the third star. But I think he needs to be the third star on a championship team. After uh, after Oladipo denied that or declined that fat contract offer from the uh, from the Rockets. Miami, he's still going to Miami. Yeah, he's he's probably right. going to Miami. He, he's but going to Miami. <laughs> Dallas should at least try. They, they want to get John Collins, which I think is a terrible idea. That's that's awful. He he wouldn't fit their system at all. I mean, he would. Can you imagine the lobs? The the lobs would be insane, but I don't know if <laughs> I don't know if the chemistry would work. I think uh, they're they're not going to get him, but I think Oladipo would. Or if uh, if they can convince Washington to do it, getting Bradley Beal. Yeah, that would be huge. If they can convince Washington to make that trade and Washington can convince him to take that, which 
I don't think would be all that hard. I'm like income tax is lower in Texas. The Mavericks are much better. Mark Cuban's like the best owner in sports. They, Mark Cuban's somebody I know Justin knows a lot about too. But anyway. Like that's uh that's I can see that as maybe the one team he would really leave the Wizards for because he's still he shockingly to. loyal to a team that has done nothing Awful. for him. Yeah. Like he's still shockingly loyal to a team that Washington's is, worse than Philly as a sports area. Oh yeah. It's, Sorry, Justin. <laughs> I, that's a shot at me too. Just not as much. That's true. That's, that's true. That's a shot at two of my teams rather than all four of them. But yeah. But with that being said, Justin, thank you for joining us. Yeah. Not a problem. Would love to do it again. Come back. Oh, for sure. Come back in a couple of weeks and. Uh, I can just sit back and eat popcorn while you two argue about electronic strike zones. It's true. All we, all we, me and him are just arguing, and then like in between, uh, in between talking, we just hear. It's just me <laughs> sitting back eating popcorn, letting you two go at each other, and then we have to pivot back to something else. <laughs> but uh, what? One more thing I want to drop before we, uh, before well, I transition to uh, the esports talk and the. Twitter drama that rocked the Call of Duty community today. Good God. More good news on the people returning to Arena's front. Somehow, I, I, like, somehow the states we thought would be some of the last to let people back in are now letting people back in. Governor Tom Wolf of Pennsylvania has approved uh, 15% capacity for indoor events and the Penguins, Flyers, and Sixers have all made moves to say, all right, everyone, come on back. The Penguins have it way easier. There are going to be 3,000 fans in the building uh, for all of for all of their next three home games against the Flyers. And but the Flyers and the Sixers still have to deal with uh, the mayor of Philadelphia, who can honestly suck it. He is awful. But uh, yeah, that's that's it for the traditional sports. Whatever the heck this segment was. <laughs> this but, is what happens when you get me and Justin in the same voice chat. Yes, I I, I know from experience. But. Uh, yeah, we'll, uh, I'll get into the ridiculousness that, uh, that was that COD Twitter drama that was just hilarious, honestly. Up next, here on The Mashup. Alright, welcome back to The Mashup, and I teased it already. Let's get into that incredibly spicy COD Twitter drama. I thought I was just gonna talk about the seating for the Major and my predictions for the Major. We'll get to that. And the uh, the performances of the teams over Super Week and the many, many upsets that came from Super Week. Like, there were so many upsets. <laughs> like, New York beating Minnesota. Uh, Paris somehow beating Toronto. New York pushing Dallas to five. Paris pushing Atlanta to five. Gorillas beating Toronto. Like, there were... It... it 
transitioned more to chalk as the weekend went on, like especially Sunday. Like Sunday was pretty chalky. Like Subliners beat Seattle three one, Chicago beat Florida three one, and Dallas swept LA. Like that's a little more chalky. But the rest of Super Week was loaded with upsets. But the main thing that came out of all of this was waking up today, getting on Twitter, and seeing Hastro uh, talking smack to 100 Thieves and LA Thieves, as he always does, just constantly. And honestly, I think it's kind of annoying because, like, esports orgs are no longer about just winning. It's about making a more or less personal connection with your fan base and getting them to care about you. And despite disappointing results the past, like, month and a half between the Valorant team still not qualifying for Masters and the League of Legends team slumping a little bit and the LA Thieves picking up their first loss of the season in a sweep against Dallas. Like it hasn't been a great couple weeks for hundred thieves. And that all came right after I, uh, I gushed endlessly about them too and how great all of their teams were doing. So, uh, I apologize to Nate shot and all my fellow hundred thieves fans for clearly jink jinxing you for the last month. But let's let's get into this actual Twitter drama. We start off it starts off with with Hastro just tweeting about about like getting the uh getting the win over over thieves and admittedly thieves uh not saying anything like the other hundred thieves creators the other social accounts not really saying anything about them but being all over them when they win like that's a thing that happens that is a thing that happens on hundred thieves social media that that's been a thing like creators like brooke and courage and ray and nade shot and heck members of the valorant team members of the league team They'll only acknowledge LA Thieves after a win and it's crickets when they lose. Like, that's actually a thing. But at the same time, like, who cares? Who freaking cares? Like, they have a super dedicated fan base compared to Envy as an org. Envy is bleeding money. Their YouTube channels are struggling. Like, all of this is true. And he's just taking pot shots at at Hundred Thieves. Like, sure, Envy is a staple of the Call of Duty scene. Team Envious was one of the original COD teams, along with like Complexity and Optic and Phase and a few a few of the others. Like Team Envious, who later became Team Envy, are like a cornerstone of the Call of Duty esports scene. There's no denying that. And Hastro did help build that. But he wasn't all that great of a player. He was even worse commentator. You know who truly built the Call of Duty competitive scene? Nadeshot. And Skump. And Hex. And Crimsix. And Formal. And Clayster. Like, 
those are the guys the ba- whose backs the Call of Duty scene is built on. And heck, J-Cap, Slasher, and Kenny too. Like, I know that's a pretty 100 Thieves-focused list, but let's be honest here. Like, that's true. Like, that is just a fact of esports history that these are the guys the scene was built on the backs of, not Hastro. And he's doing pretty well for himself. He became CEO. He bought Envy, like all this other stuff. But man, is he annoying. Like he's, he doesn't have that much ammo here. Like, sure. They got the win over LA Thieves and they got the sweep. Uh, But if you look at the actual scoreline, 250 to 212 on, on, uh, on raid for hardpoint. That's a very close hardpoint raid game, especially because the only reason thieves even lost is because they screwed up their rotations to garage twice, which I don't think they're going to do very often. And, and since garage is very, very much a money hill on raid because it's really hard to break. Because, I mean, there's, what, four entry points into Garage. Because there's Jim, there's the two actual garage doors, and there's side window. So there's four entry points. But there's also a lot of cover to watch all of those entry points. Like, it's it's a very hard point to break. And especially with only four people. Like, it's, it's a lot easier to break it with six than it is with four. Like, that's that's not an easy point to break. And if they didn't screw up their rotations to Garage twice, they could have very well won the first hard point. And on Search, like, Tempo's TJ Haley and Kenny an apology. Because they were going off in that Search game. Especially TJ Haley with that big 1v3 clutch. Like, good lord. And... And Temp was down in a 1v1 against Crim6. And look, if he challenged that, Crim6 would probably still win. But you can't just let one of the best players of all time go for the ninja defuse, Temp. Like, I was watching this, and I'm watching I'm watching Crim6 just defuse the bomb at B on Checkmate. I'm like, wait, Temp, it's 5-5. It's five five. Why are you not pushing the freaking bomb? And he, he didn't move. He He just didn't move. And Temp will admit it. He had a bad game this weekend. He had a he had a not great game. And then they just got raffle stomped on on control. They got absolutely wrecked on control. They took a round, but that one round was very close, and the three rounds they lost were not. So control on raid did not go well. But if just a couple things break their way on hardpoint and on check and on S and D. This is a completely different series and they push it to Garrison and they maybe push it to another SND on Moscow. I don't think I need to remind anyone who watches the COD League what happened the last time LA Thieves played Search on Moscow in a game five. TJ Haley went 12-0 and and they didn't drop a single round. Now, that was against Seattle. They probably wouldn't do that against Dallas, but still. I can almost guarantee they wouldn't do that against Dallas because Dallas is leaps and bounds better than Seattle. Seattle is probably the worst team in the league right now because Paris has gotten my attention. Paris has absolutely gotten my attention with their 
performance this week. The fact that they swept Florida and they pushed Toronto to a game five and won and pushed FaZe to five. They still lost, but they pushed Atlanta FaZe to five. I consider them one of the worst teams in the league. And look, last year, FaZe went to a lot of game fives. That was a that was a common trend last season. So there, there was a stretch of like two months where they went to game five with everyone. It was kind of hilarious because I like watching FaZe fans sweat. But at the same time, it was slightly concerning. But Paris has moved up in my power rankings now, and I think uh, I think Seattle has officially dropped to the very bottom of said uh, power rankings. But like I I I may sound biased when I say this, but I am a hundred percent on a hundred thieves side with this, like because I am of the opinion. The esports orgs are not entirely about winning anymore. It's that's just not the game anymore. Really, it never was. Except at the very, very beginning. It was very early on, content became king. And there are few orgs better at making content, both just with their content team and with their pro teams. Than 100 Thieves. Like, NRG is that good. Shocker, because... Like, NRG slash Optic, they're one org now. Is really good with that. Shocker. Who do you think Nadeshot learned it from? And FaZe is really good with that, because they were Optic's contemporary. In literally every way. And had one of the original Call of Duty rivals. Along with along with Envy too. And Envy has just fallen off the wagon. They don't make good content. Their, their merch doesn't sell. And I know that's not a huge indicator of anything. But that's at the same time kind of an indicator that no one cares about them. Like if your merch isn't selling. And Envy merch looks good. Like navy blue. It's hard to screw up that color scheme. Let me, let me take a look. I'm going to pull up Envy's website right now. Envy.gg. Yeah, I was actually right. That is their... uh, That is their... um, Website. Like, their stuff actually looks good. Like, this this newest release is uh, very minimalist, which I think we honestly need more of in esports, but... Let's just see. Like, Team Envy jerseys. These are a little minimalist, but I like them. I like them a lot. Like, black with... Black with, like, a dark but not entirely navy blue is such a good color scheme. And same thing with... Uh, same thing with Dallas. Like, the, the Dallas Empire. Dallas Empire's jerseys are both really good. Like, really good. The, the crown design across the chest on their white jersey is is top tier. Like, I really like that. And the other one with kind of the abstract zigzag pattern that just forms around the crown on their black jersey, that looks awesome. Like, their merch is good, but they barely sell any of it, which 
to me is a sign that not that many people care about them and really want to rep their stuff. And like, you can look at their view counts, their view counts on their YouTube channel are not good. And like I said, that's not the, the be all end all of esports, but it's way more important than Hastro is pretending it is. And Jack courage, just repeatedly clapping back at him. It was, it was an actual murder on Twitter. And, and Nate Shots, <laughs> Nate Shots, uh, Nate Shots tweet was incredible. I gotta, I gotta find it so I can read it and, and try to do it justice. Let me, let me check my Twitter real quick. Where the heck is it? Here it is. So the tweet from the LA Thieves announcing that their shop is going live on, that's Thursday at uh, 10 a.m. Pacific. So that's uh, 1 p.m. for me. LA Thieves shop, March 4th, 21, 10 a.m. Pacific time, lathieves.com. That's the all, that's all the tweet is from the Thieves. And I really freaking want one. Uh, I really want one of those black jerseys. Like, good Lord. But an hour later, this is the this is the tweet from Najat. I know supporting a losing team isn't always the easiest thing to do, but if you could find it in your hearts to purchase official LA Thieves apparel, our players just might start performing better. This is our only hope to win. Please consider helping us. Ugh. <sighs> <laughs> That's, uh, <laughs> my God, the replies to this are so good. The replies to that are so good. Oh my God. <laughs> that, uh, that was, that was great. That was, that was so good. <laughs> I love that. But that's, that's just hilarious. Like that, that is a direct shot at Hastro that he has coming because he clearly, like, the game has passed him by. The game has absolutely passed Hastro by. And he does have a point. LA Th the, the other 100 Thieves creators probably should acknowledge LA Thieves when they lose. Same with the LCS team. Same with the Valorant team. A lot of times they do, especially Courage. Like, they didn't say anything when they lost to Empire. Nadeshot eventually did tweet something today just to, like, stick it to Hastro. And I'm uh, I'm very excited for the possibility of them meeting at the major because it's not a guarantee because of the way the uh, the bracket shakes out. Like the way the bracket shakes out, they would have to either both make round three or they'd have to meet in like round four or round five of, of, uh, of losers. Like they would have to, uh, they would have to meet either very early or very late in the, uh, in the tournament. Cause first round on the, uh, on the winner's side of the bracket is, uh, Chicago versus New York. Winner of that plays Dallas. And the other match on the winner's side is LA Thieves versus LA Gorillas. Winner of that plays FaZe. 
So they would then, LA Thieves would have to beat LA Gorillas, which I think they're capable of. That is obviously my prediction. I think they can win that game. Then they would have to beat FaZe, which is going to be a challenge. And then Dallas would have to beat the winner of Optic in New York, which I think they are capable of given the fact that I think Optic is going to win that. And they're shaky at best abilities on search, which against Dallas is a pretty freaking important game mode. But I think, I think like this is tough to call because either of these teams could win against the other and both of them could beat Dallas. It's just a matter of will they? Like, given the parity in the COD League this year, they have the ability to beat Dallas. I think everyone does. I think everyone other than maybe Seattle has the ability to... Seattle and um, London have the ability to beat Dallas. Other than them. Because uh, Seattle and Florida... I don't know how... Florida just got so unlucky. Florida just got so unlucky. They went one and four because they got stuck in the in the group with two of the top teams in the league and then lost to teams they shouldn't have lost to. And now they're stuck in the uh in the elimination round of losers brackets. So they are uh they are on thin ice. They're probably gonna beat Seattle. And then they could definitely beat Paris. But then I think they get one of the two losers from Dallas, Chicago slash New York and Atlanta versus and Atlanta slash either LA team. So uh, that's going to be rough going for Seattle. Like if somehow the gorillas beat the thieves and then lose to phase Florida would be praising the heavens because they can absolutely beat the gorillas. Like, they could 100% beat LA Gorillas. I know they finished below them in group standings, but they can 100% beat them. Let's be honest here. But the the major's definitely going to be interesting because you obviously have the, the LA versus LA storyline here. You have Chicago versus Dallas. Like, Optic versus Envy is an old-school rivalry. Optic versus FaZe if if they both get through round two. And like 100 Thieves versus Envy is becoming a new rivalry. Same with 100 Thieves versus Optic. That one's significantly more friendly. But like significantly more friendly than any of the other any of the other COD rivalries. But uh that's that like the the winner side of the bracket is insanely interesting to me because like just just look at like the the cod league is so stacked with talent this year like other than london and seattle everyone is at least decent cuz uh let's be honest here like It's, uh, London and Seattle aren't that good. 
Paris has surprised me. They're still in loser's bracket. They'll probably still lose to Florida, but they have impressed me in the last week. So props to you, Paris Legion, for impressing me and forcing Atlanta phase to five games. I still don't know how the heck you pulled that off. But uh, what do you guys think about all this wonderful COD uh, Twitter drama? And what do you think about what's coming ahead later this week in the major? If if you want my actual predictions for the uh, the first two sets of games, I would say... I would say uh, Toronto is going to beat London. Florida beats Seattle. Uh, Thieves beat Gorillas, and Optic beats New York. Those are the only ones I can confidently make because the rest of the bracket uh, hasn't actually happened yet. I mean, I think uh, I would say Dallas probably wins against either of the winners from Chicago and New York, but it's close. It goes to five. And I think LA Thieves, after with some extra motivation, I think they end up uh, taking Atlanta to five and also winning that, where they meet up with Dallas in round three. That could be just be me being biased, but I think uh, they're not going to lose to another good team in the same week. I have more faith in them than that. But uh, yeah, that's what I got for the Call of Duty League. Up next, we'll uh, jump into some League of Legends. And... The significantly less dramatic weekend they had, but still incredibly confusing. That's all coming up next here on The Mashup. All right, final segment of the show. We're going to get into some League of Legends talk. And I don't know what the heck happened this weekend. I really don't. Like, I'm still not sure what to make of like half the league. Like, I don't think TSM are really good enough to be 8-4. and four. I think they are massively overachieving. Team Liquid is massively underachieving. Same thing with Dignitas. FlyQuest are even more massively underachieving, because I expected them to be in this 4 spot with Evil Geniuses and Liquid. Or actually, with Evil Geniuses and TSM. I expected Liquid to be up here with Cloud9 and 100 Thieves. Like, this season, we're what, 5 weeks in? Six weeks in? Yeah, because everyone... No, four. Because they play three games. We're four weeks in, and the season makes absolutely no sense, other than the fact that Cloud9 is still really good. Like, that is the only thing that makes sense right now, is Cloud9 is 10-2. and two. TSM being 8-4 and four makes no sense to me. Hundred Thieves, they're... About right where I predicted predicted them to be. I expected them to be a little better, maybe like nine and three rather than eight and four. Uh, Evil geniuses probably right where about I thought they'd be. Dignitas is way too high. Team Liquid's too low. Uh, Immortals there in about the right spot. FlyQuest is way too low. Uh, they should them and them and Dignitas should switch places. Like FlyQuest and Dignitas should like in my mind should be in each other's positions. They're obviously not. And then CLG and Golden Guardians at the bottom, that's about what I expected out of them as well. And 
Golden Guardians is uh, is going just straight up player development, like like I mentioned on the show before, and they've shown flashes. Like they were ahead against EG for a good chunk of the game, and then it just kind of all fell apart. And EG used their superior talent to come back and and win. Like, if you look at the gold chart in that game, it starts blue for, for Evil Geniuses, because EG was on blue side. And then it just plummets down to red and stays down in red for a while before it drops off back towards blue, and then it's blue the rest of the game. Like, if you look at the gold difference chart over time in that game, it is... Very clear what happened. And it's very clear the Golden Guardians choked. Like, it is plainly obvious the Golden Guardians choked that game. CLG did pick up their second win against Dignitas, though, which is why I'm very confused as to what Dignitas is currently doing. And I don't know what the heck Hundred Thieves was doing against Cloud9. They didn't look like themselves at all. Like that was that was just painful to watch. They had a couple good plays here and there, but they played like garbage in that game. They picked up two other wins against this weekend, but that was against Dignitas and CLG. So I'm not a hundred percent sure where they stand. I still think they're one of the best teams in NA. But this split so far has been so confusing, or this season so far, because it's all one record, has been so confusing. I have no clue what's what anymore. Like, I would have never expected TSM to beat Liquid this year. I would have... Like, I expected FlyQuest to beat TSM, but I expected them to have a better record than TSM going into that game. And that game right there, the Sunday game between FlyQuest and TSM, was the first game of the day. That was the FlyQuest I think we all expected from the beginning of the season. They finally looked like the team we expected them to be. They've had a few flashes here and there because they they won three games coming in. But if I recall, they weren't against the best teams in NA. Yeah, Golden Guardians. They lost to Dignitas. They lost to C9, but so does everyone. They beat CLG. They lost to 100 Thieves. Like, oh wait, that's going, that's going back way too far. I hate when the LOL Esports website does that where it just like, jumps back even though you're only scrolling a little bit like i i despise that i hate that so much like they they yeah they they beat golden guardians that's not all that impressive they they lost to clg lost to dignitas lost to tsm lost to eg beat immortals yeah not uh not the best record for them to uh for them to start off with but i think they finally have gotten together jose deodo is really good i think they're they're kind of getting their crap together and and this is me talking as a guy who actually likes them they're they're not my primary team that's under thieves but I do like them. I like their content. That that video they made with G2 last year for like the whole new worlds video, that was hilarious. 
two teams playing like G2. Like, that was, that was a great video. That was so good. Like, I, I enjoy FlyQuest content. I like that they pick a different charity every season. Like, oh, for every Ocean Drake that dies, like, we'll donate money to clearing plastic out of the ocean or, or saving the bees. Like, I love that. I love that they have all these uh, these charitable endeavor endeavors. I like that they're running a Spanish language LCS broadcast. I think that's great. Like market, it's the North American LCS. Like market to your Spanish speaking fans, people. Like I I love that they have a Spanish language LCS broadcast. I, I might check it out. Like I don't speak that much Spanish, but I want to see how good it is. Because I could, I could still get a vibe for how good a broadcast is, even in a, another language, if I know at least a little bit. Like, I couldn't do that with a Japanese or Korean or, or Chinese or Russian broadcast. But I could definitely do it with Spanish. And I, by extension, I could probably do it with, like, the other Romance languages, too, because they're all so similar. But, like, I, I love everything that FlyQuest is doing, even if they're not my primary team. And I was very happy they got they got that win over TSM. But still, I'm so incredibly confused as to everything that is happening this split. Like, I have no freaking clue what's going on other than Cloud9 is still really good. Because, go back. My predictions for the top three in North America were Cloud9, 100 Thieves, Team Liquid. That's not even close. I mean, it's kind of close because 100 Thieves are tied for second, but they're tied for second with TSM. TSM's in a three-way tie for fourth. FlyQuest is solo holding on to eighth just because CounterLogic and Golden Guardians are both terrible. Immortals is just kind of hanging around at five and seven, not really sure what they're supposed to be doing either. Like, nothing makes sense in the LCS right now. <laughs> Hopefully they figure it out soon, but at the same time, this is interesting because honestly, like North America being dominated by one, maybe two good teams for an entire year, especially because there's no record division between spring and summer split anymore. Like spring split games actually matter for your chances of going to worlds. Like, I, I like the the unpredictability of it because we didn't have that in spring spit la spring spit spring split last year at all. Like as soon as as soon as January ended, it's like oh, Cloud 9s running away with this, and they're gonna be our rep at MSI because in January of 2020, we still thought MSI was happening. And speaking of MSI, it is confirmed to be happening this year. Like, they didn't even bother announcing MSI in January last year because Rona was already kicking off in China. Like, they didn't even bother announcing a location or anything for MSI. They pushed it back to June. Then they pushed it back to July. And then it just didn't happen. We were worried we weren't going to get Worlds. They pulled off a miracle and had Worlds. And now we're going to get MSI. And I'm very disappointed that it's going to be in Reykjavik. Frick. <laughs> like, the backup plan for MSI last year was Los Angeles. 
I know you probably couldn't do Los Angeles list this year. But you couldn't do Texas. Or Florida. Or Georgia or Tennessee. Actually, Florida, Georgia, or Tennessee would have been great. Because that is, at bare minimum, central time zone. There's only an hour behind me. Like, even L.A. would be favorable to the insane time differences I have had to suffer my entire life as a league esports fan. <laughs> because my first Worlds was Korea. My second Worlds was Paris. My third Worlds was China. And my fourth Worlds will also be China. <laughs> Those time differences suck. My first MSI, because I didn't watch MSI in 2018. My first MSI was also China. So Reykjavik is better than that. I think it's like four hours. But still, four hour time difference, really? Why must you do this to me, League Esports? I I'm glad they're having MSI. Like, I like MSI as a tournament. I'm glad they're having one this year. Because it's a good primer before Worlds. Like, you get to see the best teams from other regions that I don't get as much of a chance to watch. Because I'm I'm a little plugged into what's going on in the LEC. The, the LCK and the LPL, because of the aforementioned time differences with Korea and China... I, uh, I don't even, I don't even try. I, I keep, I'll check up on them when we get closer to MSI and Worlds to see who the competition is, but that's about it. The TCL, I don't pay attention to at all. CBLOL, time difference is fine, but language barrier, because I don't think they have an English language broadcast. I think it's only in Portuguese. LMS, I'm pretty sure is defunct. LLA, LCO, like LCO hadn't even started yet. Because that's, that's a brand new thing. Like, they have games on the schedule. But none of them have happened. Like, there are games scheduled for February 24th, 25th, March 3rd. Like, there are games on the schedule for the LCO. They don't have scores. They don't have scores on them. They don't have links to the VODs. What in the world is going on in Oceania? The LJL, like, do they have, oh, they don't start till Friday. Man, the, the Japanese league hasn't even started yet. Good Lord. <laughs> That's uh oh, they, they played, they played this weekend. Okay. The LJL has started. I was like, I was very confused for a second. Uh, the LCL in Russia, like, like, I don't really pay attention to uh the but I'll I'll plug into the major regions when we get closer to big international tournaments because that's just scouting the competition and who's going to just murder the North American teams this time. But I I'm just glad we're having an MSI this year, even if it's even if it's in Reykjavik. Like what's the I don't know how to spell. Okay, there it is. Thank you. Auto spell check, time, time zone, time zone. Let's see. It is, oh, it's, okay. So they're the same as, uh, they're, they're on GMT. So they are, uh, they are five hours ahead.
Yeah, they're they're five hours ahead of the East Coast. So they're on GMT. That's not that bad. That's not great. I'd rather be I'd rather be ahead of where I'm watching than than behind, at least by a couple hours. Because like but it what is a reasonable time for them is very early in the morning for me. But I can I can deal with a five hour time difference for like a two week long tournament. <laughs> For a, for a two three week long tournament, I can handle I can handle a five hour time difference. It's it's the twelve hour time difference for the month and a half long worlds that gets me. But that's a conversation for uh, for eight months from now, seven eight months from now in uh, October and November when we're much closer to worlds. But uh, that's what I got for the show today. Let me know what you guys think both about the Twitter drama. Uh, name, image, and likeness stuff for college athletes. What the heck is going on in the LCS? What you think is going to happen in the COD Major? Anything over on the Discord server. I'll leave a link in the show description. Over on my Twitter page, I'll leave a link to that in the show description. Come by, hang out in the Twitch stream. I'm always willing to talk more about stuff on, on the show I talk about with... Talk about on the show with chat, like... I'm, I'm always open. I am an open book. But uh, yeah, come hang out. Uh, hope you enjoyed the show. Come hang out on the stream. We'll be playing COD all week long because that's all I really do anymore. But thanks everyone for listening. I'll talk to you guys on Friday. See you But time is short and the road is long. In the blinking of an eye, that moment's gone. And when it's done, win or lose, you always did your best. Cause inside you knew that in one shining moment, you reached deep inside. One shining moment. Feel the wind in your face It's more than a contest It's more than a Your face, cause inside you know